You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Well, hello, folks, and welcome back to another wonderful episode here with the boys from Sticks in the Six. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Alex Hobson and Peter Barracchini. We're here for episode 127, brought to you by the fine folks at Indie Ale House and the Hockey Podcast Network. Before we get into our Leaf Talk this evening, boys, just checking in. Alex, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. Um, it's... Uh... It's been a pretty, pretty, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to describe. It's been both chaotic and, and easy going for me for the past week. I know that doesn't really make any sense, but um, I've been, I've been uh, moving like a machine with the, with the new writing gig. Um, there is uh, obviously I've been, I've been kind of tuned out of the, uh, of the Stanley cup final. I can't lie. I've been kind of tuned out ever since Leafs got knocked out, but um yeah, everything's been going well. Otherwise, um, just just at this point, looking forward to the draft and uh, excited to start talking about the off season because you know with the new hiring or the new news about the GM hiring and um, uh, basically just some of the sound bites that we got out of the uh, media availability and all that good stuff, uh, it would appear that we're headed towards a chaotic off season. And there's a lot of guys that are unrestricted free agents, and you know we'll get into this later on in the episode, but. I'm very intrigued by this off season because every other year of this, of this era, you kind of had a sense of what Kyle Dubas was going to do because you knew what his tendencies were. You know what he did every off season, how he kind of attacked them, what his game plan was. We have no clue what to expect from Brad living here. So um, it, I think it's exciting. It, there could be fireworks or it could be the quietest off season in a while. We'll, uh, we'll have to see, but uh, yeah, things have been going well, all things considered. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And quick shout out to Liam Wolf tuning in on our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, Peter, how are you doing this week, buddy? Doing great. Um, uh, Obviously, if you've seen my social media, you know, a few weeks ago, I picked up uh, one of the most anticipated games, Tears of the Kingdom. And boys, I'm just going to say this right now. That game is a load of fun. I'm, I'm just, I'm just screwing around, just exploring the world, not even doing anything. And basically, like if you saw some of the funny stuff and uh, clips online of what people are doing, I'm trying to like emulate that and just having a blast playing that game in my off time. But yeah, really looking forward uh, to chatting with you boys again this week. Uh, obviously, a lot happening. Stanley Cup playoffs. Like Alex mentioned, the offseason, the draft is coming up. It's not a dull moment at all. So. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, boys, um, before we get into everything here, I just I did want to mention too, June is men's mental health month. Uh, so make sure you, you know, if you're if you're struggling, if you're going through anything, make sure you talk to somebody. I know I think it was like last off season or earlier in the year, Alex, you opened up a little bit about uh, where you were at men- with your mental health. And um, I'm gonna give you a little tidbit into my life right now as well, just uh, for our listeners. Um the last couple of weeks I've been, I've been struggling quite a bit and uh, recently took the, uh, the leap into, uh, you know, getting a little help and, and medication and uh, I'm on a low dosage, um, but it has made a world of a difference. Uh, I'm no longer overthinking every situation. I've, I've no longer got tunnel vision on, on uh, certain subjects or, or what's happening in, in my everyday life. And uh, it, it, I just want, I just want to bring it up because I think it's important. We continue to discuss uh, mental health awareness, not just in the month of June, not just, 
um, you know, one day out of the year. Um, but it's something that we, we should continue to, to talk about and, and take away that stigma because it's still very uncommon for men to talk about their mental health and, um, for us to do it, I think it's, it's important that we use this platform, albeit maybe not, you know, full of subscribers and followers all over social media, but it's, people are watching, people are listening. It's a good opportunity for us to discuss it. So with that in, in mind, boys, um, let's get right into it. We haven't met up since uh, Brad Living was officially named the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, um, you know, we, we did have a conversation about the possibility of him coming in and the possibility of what he could do when he comes in. But Peter, your thoughts on uh, Treliving being named the, the GM of the Leafs and, uh, you know, what did you take away from his press conference? Uh, it sounded like, okay, first thing he said, all the right things um, coming in. Obviously, like there are a lot of tough questions thrown his way and he handled everything perfectly. Obviously, the big one was Austin Matthews contract. Second one was, you know, kind of like what Kyle D was said at, at his exit meeting about the core four possibly making a move. I thought he handled himself very well. I, I, I thought he showed, you know promise obviously it's going to be a very tough off season given the moves that he needs to make but the way that he talked about you know making austin matthews a priority number one saying that he's already having contact with him uh he's good um like he has a good connection with his agent i believe he was flying out to arizona at one point to talk with austin so that's a good step in a positive direction um try and get something done sooner than later. Obviously everyone is still in a freak out mode because he can't sign a contract now, but he can't sign anyway. So just leave it at that. Wait until July 1st and then we'll see what happens. But even his comment in regarding the uh, core four, um, you know, he mentioned something to the, to the effect that, you know what, this isn't about, you know, four players. This isn't about four, four. This is about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, it's uh, the way that he said that is he's putting this team first. And if he, if it means shaking things up and moving one player out, obviously it looks like it's going to come down to either Marner or Nylander because Matthews isn't going anywhere. Tavares has his no movement clause. If you're looking to make a shakeup and if he's looking to make a move similar to what he did with Matthew Kachuk and try and bring in additional assets and split everything up, then he then it sounds like he has everything under control. It sounds like he has a plan. Obviously, everyone needs to be on board, but at the same time, I did like what he had to say throughout his press conference. Um, again, there's probably going to be a lot of concern how maybe he might be a downgrade down from Dubas, but at the same time, he was one of the better names on the market and one of my top three that I would probably have on no matter what. So I'm glad that he's in the fold and can't wait to see what his first move is going to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think, uh, I mean, like we could talk all we want about uh, what, it, what it was like when, when he was actually named, uh, named uh, the GM, because I mean, when you look at it, it was a very polarizing move. There was some, some mm -hmm. people that were all on board saying, you know, he did a great job in, in trying to get what he could from the assets he was forced to move um, in Calgary, namely, um, to Chuck and, and Goudreau um, and, and also moving Monaghan at the time as well. But there, there's a lot of people that are saying, yes, you know, this is actually a downgrade from Dubas and what is he going to do with this core four? And I, I agree with you. I like that comment about, you know, this is about the Toronto Maple Leafs. This isn't about the core four. Um, 
loved his comment about the fact that it, you know, this is not just a job, it's a responsibility because, Mm -hmm. you know, we know what Leafs Nation can be like. We we understand, you know, the passion (laughs) that burns through Leafs Nation. And we know that, you know, there's, he's going to be highly criticized right off the hop. Like day one, first move, he's going to be highly criticized. I do want to ask you your thoughts on part of the deal with him coming over, um, with you know Calgary allowing the Leafs to talk to him was that he can't be a part of their draft table, um, and I want to get your thoughts on that. Like, you know, where where's Calgary going with this, and 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 is it that big of a deal if he's at the draft or not? I want to say that okay to me, I I personally because he's with another team, I think he should be at the draft table because they basically agreed to part. I, I believe that it's, it's sort of similar to like what happened with the Maple Leafs and Dubas. They agreed to part ways, but at the same time, Dubas was able to get the job with the Penguins. And now Trey Living has a job with the Maple Leafs. Now, I don't think that Trey Living is going to give out the draft strategy of the Flames at this point, because the Flames have a higher pick in the draft compared to the Maple Leafs, which is going to be lower no matter what. Um, looking at the picks that they have flames are like mid-tier Leafs are right behind them so there's no way that Bradshaw living is going to give up any secrets or any possible targets that they can have in regards to the flames because if that is the case I could understand it but it just doesn't make sense given where the Maple Leafs are in the draft Um, if the Maple Leafs were lower and they were ahead of Calgary okay maybe but it, it, it did seem kind of fishy that you know he was able to come on like he's part of the maple leafs organization why can't he just be a part of the draft itself if it's sort of like a draft strategy thing i could understand that especially in the scouting world how they don't want anything to interact or like get involved but i don't think it would be an issue no matter what alex um there was a lot of speculation around the uh, the hiring of, of whichever GM they were going to take that, you know, part of the agreement was that they weren't right off the hop going to trade part of the core four. And that was, that was the understanding from Shanahan reaching out to all of his GM candidates. What is your thought on, you know, Trey Living coming in here, not having the opportunity to maybe move an asset like a Nylander or a Marner? And, you know, where does he go to, to kick off his offseason with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, first of all, I mean, yeah, Shanny said that, and yeah, he reached out to his core players, but I don't really think that means anything. Um, I think if the you know nobody thought that the Flames were going to trade Kachuk last off season, let alone get Huberto and Uyghur for him, and I'm not going to use that trade as a comparable for anything he does in Toronto because it was a kind of a once in a not I won't say once in a lifetime, but it was a once in a blue moon opportunity for them. So, I mean. I certainly think that it's probably more likely that they're going to go into next season with the core four still intact. That being said, uh, I don't think that it's, it's as cut and dry as maybe it was, it seemed in, in, in what Shanahan said and what you're living said. Um, I think they're going to weigh all options, weigh all options this off season. I think he even said that he would, he would look into pretty much anything that would improve the team. And honestly, I, I mean, Priority number one has to be looking into an extension for Austin Matthews. And you mentioned it already. It was very encouraging to see that Matt, that he had already opened the dialogue with Matthews even before he was hired as GM. So that they had been talking and, you know, he's not coming in here with the, with the belief of, okay, well, if you want to be here, you'll be here. Uh, that you can go for all I care. Right. Like he's, mm-hmm. he, he does seem like he's driven to get Matthews back, which should be priority. Number one, you can say whatever you want about his playoff tendencies, but 
<laughs> if you're if you're fo- if you're fixated on that, you got to remember what this team was before we had Austin Matthews, right? So, um, yeah, I, I I mean I don't envy his job at all this summer because, uh, you know I was I've, I've been writing some pieces lately, uh, stay or go pieces on the Leafs, uh, uh, unrestricted free agents, and they have a lot of unrestricted free agents this year. Like it's if you know they could bring back the core four and it's entirely possible that their bottom six is going to be completely different next year and whether that's a mix of you know internal options and you know veteran guys to sign through free agency like Achari and people like that um we're going to see a different team next year i think and i'm also interested to see how he attacks the goaltending situation because on one hand Ilya Samsonov's an RFA i think you can probably get him back at a relatively cheap price um and then the question is, what do you do for the other goalie spot? Because Matt Murray's still under contract. He might be hard to uh, get get a team to take that contract. But at the same time, how are you going to put Joseph Wall back on the minors after what he did in his short time this year, right? So, yeah, I don't envy him. It's going to be a hell of an offseason ahead for him. But I would say overall, uh, like Peter said, he said all the right things coming into the media availability. I still have to wait and see him make a few moves to judge what he's like and kind of judge what to expect from him as GM. But... I will say, and I mentioned this. I mentioned this when he was hired. I think he's kind of gotten a bit of a bad rap, and he's kind of being unfairly thrown under the umbrella of an old, an old white hockey boy GM that you know, like a Peter Shirelli or a Jim Benning, or you know, all these Ray Shiro, all these guys that you know get routinely hired and fired, but they keep getting hired because they have experience. I really don't think True Living should be part of that. He's been with the same team for a decade, and certain things that I think he was sort of condemned for like that Kachuk trade. I, I, I will still say right now that I think that was a great deal for Calgary. I mean, I don't think J- Jonathan Huberto is obviously not a 55 point player. Um, he was being smothered into oblivion by Daryl Sutter. Part of the reason Trilliving stepped down was because ownership wouldn't let him fire Sutter. So um, I think he's got potential here. I think he's, I, I think he's got potential to do a good job. And uh, as much as I still will maintain the fact that I don't think, Kyle Dubas should have been the only one between coaching and the core four to, to, to fall on the sword after last year. I also don't think that a change is as terrifying of a situation as some fans are making it out to be. Yeah. And, and like you said, I don't, I don't envy being in his position. I know if I was, I'd probably be um, having a few extra drinks and why not when we're sponsored by Indie Ale House? Um, Tree Living is <laughs> in town. Segue. Tree, it is. <laughs> Tree Living is in town. And if you're getting ready for a night out or watching the Stanley Cup final at home with a gang, what better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at the Indie Ale House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay and Bloor, the Biroteca location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto, adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options, Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indialehouse.com to place your order today. 
And uh, gentlemen, like before we jump into the next topic that we have here on our list, I do want to get your take on the idea of bringing back Sheldon Keith because there was a lot of speculation as well that with a new GM, you know, uh, Dubis's guy was going to be out on, on the street as well. But they've decided to stick with Keith for the time being. Alex, your thoughts on that? I don't know, man, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I, I thought that there was no chance that Shelton Keefe was going to survive this offseason, especially with Dubas leaving. I thought that, you know, one of them's gone. You got to get both of them out. That being said, I am interested to see how Keefe operates a team where ideally some of his favorite toys are taken away. <coughs> Kerfoot <coughs> Hall. Um <laughs> And they're going to end up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, honestly. And then, well, I was just going to say that too, you know, I under how he's going to operate on a team that's not managed by Kyle Dubas. Cause yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's really tough to kind of comprehend that. Um, I, I, I don't think that Sheldon Keefe was the biggest disaster of a coach that some people made it out to be. I think that while he is a, he's not a perfect coach and he definitely has some tendencies and he's definitely, got some got some fallbacks that cost the Leafs at points in the playoffs. I would also say that Leafs Nation is incredibly emotional and they're incredibly knee-jerky and they make things to be make things out to be a lot worse than they are a lot of the times. And I hate to be the oh, you know, the, they kind of take that complacent tone of voice where it's like, "Oh, you know what? You know, they they had, you know, Ron Wilson and Randy Carlisle for so long and then Mike Babcock. So Sheldon Keefe is great compared to the others, but there is an element of truth to that. I mean, I think things could be a lot worse um, behind the bench than what they have with Keefe right now. That being said, if he comes back this year, I'd expect the leash to be short because you know, like you said, there was there like there, there's, there were times last year where he just made puzzle, puzzling lineup decisions. Um, he had, he, he favored players that he probably shouldn't have been favoring um, and you know, there were, there were points where he kind of, he kind of chirped me. You know, if you remember back in October, when he, when he outed the core four, he outed his star players for not playing well. And then he walked it back the next day. It's like, I don't know what the story behind that was. I almost wish that he didn't walk it back to the media. Uh, wish he just clarified to his teammates that it may not have been what they made it out to be, but either way, um, I think the, the, the bottom line with Keith this year is just going to be, see what, how he does. Um, if he comes back managing or sorry, coaching under a new manager. And uh, if, if, if things haven't improved, then I think he's got to be next to go. Peter, your thoughts on Keith coming back uh, under a new regime. Yeah. It's interesting that they were already talking about a possible extension right off the bat with Trey living. So I like, like you and like Alex, I probably thought that maybe he probably should have been the first to go. Cause that's usually how it is. It's usually the head coach that takes the fall, no matter what situation it is, no matter how good or bad the GM is. It's always the coach that takes the fall. And considering that they won a round, I, 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 I agree with Alex because there were puzzling decisions during the playoffs where he would once again get out coached. And it looked like that in Tampa Bay, although like his team powered through and managed to turn things around and score on opportunistic moments, but he got out coached big time by uh, Paul Maurice in that uh, Florida Panther series. And then again, you know, he had no answer to try and match up against the tenacity of the four check and neutral zone play of the Panthers. And 
you have to learn to adapt and change. He didn't do that against Montreal. He didn't do that in t- against Tampa Bay the first time around. Did it the second time around. W- was a little bit successful moving Matthew Nyzak, giving him more of those opportunities. But that was probably his one good move. Going back to Alexander Kerfoot, and uh, Alex, I hope you're okay after that um, little bit of a cough. I hope it wasn't allergies or anything. Oh, I've, um, my allergies are kicking my ass, but it's okay. <laughs> that's, that's that's unrelated to this to this episode. No, no, but when you were coughing about Kerfoot and Hall, I, I oh, you were getting <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Uh, okay, I see. I was thinking. I was like, I didn't, I didn't cough. What are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, g- going back to that, like the fact that he's still going back to Kerfoot into that top six, Hall into that top four. These are players that are what they are, and they're not those kind of players that you can move up into the lineup. Um, you're not going to get significant impact from them, although Kerfoot did score a game-winning goal, but that was one time throughout the whole entire playoffs. Justin Hall kind of looked invisible after one good game in Game 2 and then fell off after that because he was on for God knows how many 5-on-5 five five goals against. You know, that that just can't happen. And if you're a coach, you have to find reasons – to try and say, hey, it's not cutting out. I'm going to try something different. And he really didn't. So I agree with Alex, too. This is probably the last round for him. This is his basically last chance to try and prove himself because he's got one more year to try and get that extension. I hope it all works out because he is a good coach. He is a player's coach. Everyone falls in line with him. And they go. And I just remember the first time when he was hired, they said that the players are like, well, go to the ends of the earth for Sheldon Keefe because he is that kind of a guy and you want to see him succeed. He has succeeded, succeeded at every single level. And now, you know, he's had good regular season success. It's just got to show in the playoffs, but yeah, I I'm hoping that it does work out this time around. I hoping that he has pieces that he can work with more so than what he had before. And yeah, I just, just, just want to see a little bit more, of that X's and O's type of play that we're known to seeing from him in the regular season and the postseason. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I think, uh, you know, when it comes to the regular season, he's done everything that's expected of him. Um, obviously with the team that's playing on, on the ice for him, like the expectation is extremely high playoffs. Hasn't got it done. Um, certainly a player's coach. I mean, you can just ask Justin Hall. I think he played, you know, <laughs> he's, a Justin, he's a Justin Hall's player. coach. Alex Kerfoot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, I, I think the reason they're, they're talking about the extension was more that they don't get into the same situation as Dubas, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, that you go into a season and you have your, your, your head coach signed so that that's not weighing on him as well, because I'm sure like the stresses of being a head coach uh, at the NHL level are just as, as high as anything. And, um, you know, you want to take any stressor out, out of it that you can. Um, one one interesting note is that when you go back in, in the history of NHL coaches, through their first 200 games from the start of their career, Sheldon Keefe is actually sixth on that list for most wins within the first 200 games of his career. Um, there's only two active coaches ahead of him, Dean Evason and uh, Todd McClellan. So, Interesting note as well. I mean, he's been able to get it done. He's a competitor. He's a guy that wants to win. You can tell he wants to win. Um, and I think it just comes down to, you know, are, are these players going to respond to him? And, and uh, you know, what can he do under this new regime? Because Trey Living, is, he's got a different different thought process than, than Kyle Dubas. And I think we're going to see that going into next season. So I just, if I can say one thing, I really hope that, and, you know, I hate to sound like 
and it's ironic that I'm saying this because I'm the youngest one here, but I hate to sound like the old man yelling at a cloud when I when I say this, but I really, really hope that part of True Living getting hired is eliminating the country club atmosphere that seems to appear in the Leafs dressing room at times. You know, we read at the end of the season that some players were blunt about what was wrong with the team, and while it was never really reported what was blunt or what was said, it's not that hard to connect the dots and figure what may have been wrong. Um, I don't know. I, I as, For as much as I love Kyle Dubas, and you guys know, I've, I've talked about Dubas on the show for, with you guys for two years. I've written about him for five years. I've always been a fan of his. I really think that his, you know, he's a smart hockey mind, and I think that whatever team employs him is lucky to have him. That said, I do think there were times when he was a little too close to the core players and a little mm-hmm. too close with the entire team. And not to say that, you know, he was letting them do whatever they wanted and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, I don't know. I just, I, 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 I know that there was a bit of a, there was a bit of, a, I won't say like a professional disconnect, but I will say that there was, there, there, there was definitely. Teetering the line. Yeah, they were teetering, teetering the, line. the line. There was a yep. friend, there was like a, there was a line, there's a line that you can cross between, you know, having good relationships with your players and being too close to your players and Dubas teetered that line. So, yeah. you know, I hope that True Living has a great relationship with the core. He said in his press conference, he, he protects all his players, which is what you need from a GM because, you know, if, if mm-hmm. you have a shitty person up in office and your players don't want to be there, what does that do for, you know, hiring free or signing free agents and bringing people to town? So uh, I just hope that there's a little more accountability when things aren't going well, because, you know, while there is an argument to be made that, yeah, this is any true living said it too. You know, a lot that Leafs had to go through a lot of pain to get Matthews and Marner and Nylander. Um, that being said, it's we're seven years into this and we have one round to show for it. Right. So uh, I would just, I would just hope that there's some more accountability at this point. And, you know, I hope that there's the, uh, there's the message that, Hey, we need to, we need to do something here. Like there's no more, there's no more wait and see. There's no more. We've got belief in this group. There's no, like it's been seven years. Like, come on deep run. Let's go. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, it kind of brings us to our next point. We've talked about keeping the core for, a lot of speculation still that, well, I won't even call it speculation. A lot of, of rumor throwing on, on uh, socials about what possible trades could be out there for core four players, including Matt or sorry, Marner and Nylander. Um, chances that one of these guys are moved at some point this season. And Alex, if you had to move one of these guys, who would it be? Man, you know what? My gut reaction is to say Marner because he's, He's the one who, when the going gets tough, seems to shrivel up and get into his own head. And he's the one that I think handles the Toronto media and the Toronto pressure probably the worst out of the core four. But there's also a part of me just that remembers the days when the team would part with their with their young players and they'd, and they'd give up on these guys too soon. And Mitch Barner, like him or not, playoff performances aside, is a 90 to 100 point player who's one of the best defensive forwards in the league. So it's a real tough question. I would say if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably trade Marner still just because Nylander has shown up every single year. He's always been the one guy of the core four to show up and produce when it matters most. He single-handedly kept the Leafs season alive before Nick Cousins scored that OT winner. Mm -hmm. He scored the goal with like three minutes left in the third period. He just always, always finds a way to keep the, to keep the game going. And he, and he's, he's, consistently been the one to show up every single time. And on top of that, I also think that 
you know, when you listen to him speak in interviews and press conferences and stuff like that, the guy's got nothing going on in his head. And I think that's exactly what we need. Or that's exactly what you got to have in Toronto. Like you, you can see it in Marner's face when he's getting, when he's getting, you know, you know, feeling the pressure from the media and he's underperforming. You can see that he's rattled and he's in his own head. Nylander, you know, he's had Steve Simmons write bullshit pieces about him. He's had all these media pundits put together articles talking about why, you know, he's the, he's the one of the core four that has to be traded. He's uh, you, Forbes. I, you, yet, know you know what? You didn't, you, you at the very least. The very him, beginning. Yeah. yeah. You at the least. That was, you know what here? I want to clarify. That was at the very beginning when he was, yeah, there was actually yeah, yeah. a legit argument that, you know, might be right yeah. to trade this guy. But like at this point in 2023, people are still writing articles about him. There's still radio hits about how he's the one that's got to go because, um, they got to move on from him. You got to move on from someone in the core four. It's got to be Nylander. And I just, you know, after all these years, after he's consistently showed up and delivered and delivered and delivered, like I, I, I just, it seems like with all the shit that he's taken and all this, all the articles that have been thrown in his face about why he has to be traded. It seems like he just gets better. He thrives more and more every year. He had 40 goals last year. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that, while Marner is definitely the most skilled out of the core four, he's he's the best defensively. He puts up 90 to 100 points a year. I also think that you need to have someone who can handle the Toronto market and handle the pressure. And Nylander does that better than anybody I've ever seen before. So you would hope that it's him that stays. Peter, your thoughts on uh, the Marner-Nylander trade speculation that seems to be overtaking Leafs Nation? Yeah, it seems like I agree with Alex. It seems like whenever there's like a bash Nylander piece, he's always right at like as soon as like one gets released, he's always there to just, you know, throw it back in like, you know, the media's face and be like, yeah, you know, you want to talk about me? Okay, well, then I'll respond back. And he responds in a big way. And that's huge. And I would keep Nylander for all the same reasons that Alex said in moving Mitch Marner. But then again, it does feel like Nylander is the more ideal piece to move, not because of his play, but because of that $6.9 million contract. If they do decide to move on, because that is absolutely rich for any team for one more year to try and get something out of it. And obviously the hope is that the salary cap, the salary cap will go up at some point. It may be slower than usual now because, you know, NHL, profits everything like that i'm not i'm not going to uh, dwell too much on the financial or money aspect of that but if it does continue to increase down the line when you know when the salary cap goes up maybe they work out a contract with nylander for the lease where maybe it's lower in the first year or two but then it shoots up basing it off what the salary cap is going to be but then again you can't really predict that because you don't know if it's actually going to happen but I do think that Nylander has shown up. He has produced. He has been – he has shined in bigger moments when they needed him to than Mitch Marner. We saw in that Florida Panther series how maybe games one and two wasn't Nylander's best, but he shined in three and four, and he was making an absolute difference, uh, buzzing around the net nonstop and getting prime looks on Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, do you think that if there comes a point – Marner is probably going to stay because it's going to be harder to move his contract. But then again, 
stranger things have happened where you get a third team to retain salary on Marner and then still get assets for him in return with another team. So I, I think that I, I again, I, I'm still in agreement with Alex, how Marner should be the target, but I do think that it would have surprised me if it is Nylander because he is cheaper to move and can still get a high return. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I think the assets come in a little bit more with Marner. Um, I, I just think Nylander said all the right things in his uh, postseason media availability mm-hmm. is that, you know, he said the, I don't want to play anywhere else. I want to be here. And um, I know, I know some of the other core four said similar stuff, but we talked about this on a couple episodes here that Rachel Dory, you know, she broke yeah. down what it means to say, I want to be here and I want, I don't want to be anywhere else versus, yeah, I like playing in Toronto. Um, and I think, you know, Nylander, he's, he's shown that he wants to be here. Like you guys mentioned, he, every time, every time he's criticized, every time he's brought down, he steps it up and he scores big game, big goals and big moments. And, you know, all of that, all of that matters. And all that comes down to um, a guy that, you know, maybe you have to look at and say, this is the guy we got to build around. And, I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying you got to trade Matthews, but you know you heard Sheriff last last episode. He was he was all on the on the trade Matthews train. So, with, with all due respect to the sheriff, because he is a great guy, and that was one of the most fun chats I've had in a long time. I did think it was hilarious that while literally everybody is saying trade Marner, Tavares is a boat anchor. He was like trade Matthews and Nylander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, know, I, I know. wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna sit there and pipe up and start disagreeing and be like, no, you're wrong because of this and this. But I was also like, man, uh, that's, I don't think that's the way to go. With all due respect. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a good way to kick off the episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was fantastic. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely did. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think right now, if you look at the team. Uh, what you can get from Marner on the market is is a lot more than what you're going to get from Nylander only because, um, you know, Marner, Marner plays all situations. Marner can, can be a, uh, you know, penalty kill threat um, on a nightly basis. And he's going to, he's going to be the guy that, you know, keeps possession. And we know that today's NHL is all about analytics and he's the guy that kind of maintains possession. So um, yeah, I think, I think if anybody goes, it's Marner, but, that being said, I think we mentioned it off the top of the show, each of us, that this core four is not going anywhere yet. Um, I think Brad Living is going to start the season with these guys, see what he's got, see what he can do with it, and see what he can build around. And, and as you mentioned, Alex, like, you know, you're looking at a team that's probably going to be completely different on the bottom six. So, um, you know, this could be a completely different team when we when we kick off the uh, 23-24 season. So. It'll be interesting to see, but I, I don't see any of them going anywhere anytime soon. Um, with that said, you mentioned it, Alex, that there are a number of um, UFAs coming up for the uh, the Leafs over the next little bit here. Um, who's coming back? Who's leaving? What are we, uh, you know, what are we looking at to, to, to start 2023-2024? <sighs> Wow, what a question. Um, so if we're talking about the Leafs UFAs, um, and I, I, I had to, if I had to make a guess, I would say I would say there's probably a good chance that Luke Shen and Nolachari come back. I think those are two guys I'm pretty confident in the Leafs resigning. 
Uh, you know, Shenner, we, we were talking before the show started. Shout out Jay Rosehill, former Leaf over at uh, the Leafs Nation there on Leafs Morning Take. He's been he's been driving the Bring Luke Shen back to Toronto bandwagon. Uh, he's a good buddy of Shen's. And, you know, Shenner was, seems like he just wants some term. He wants a place to settle down. And I'd be totally fine giving him $2 million, or not $2 million necessarily, but two years or something like that. Um, I think Nolachari, you know, he said he'd love to be back. I can't imagine he's going to command much more than the 1.25 mil he made this year. So if they can get him back for a reasonable value, I mean, I have no issue with that. Oh, Brandon Belt just hit a home run. It's 2-2 in the Jays game right now. Um, Belt it out of here. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Luke Shedd and Nolachari, I'm pretty confident in. Ryan O'Reilly, I'm... Not overly confident that he comes back, but I also think there's a better chance than we might think. Um, I think if he meets with Brad Treliving and they have a good conversation, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought him back on like a two-year deal at, with an AAV slightly lower than what he made last year. Um, if And if that's something he would do, I wouldn't hesitate to bring him back. Uh, Bunting, I, I don't think he's coming back. Um as much as, you know, he is going to leave a hole on that left side. He's a guy who's been able to contribute at least 40, 45 points, somewhere between that and 60 points on the second or first line there. Um, I think he may have played himself out of Toronto with his with, with the antics in the playoffs and with the refs towards the end of the year. Um, and then as for the rest of the guys, I don't think any of the other UFAs are coming back. I can't imagine Kerfoot coming back. I can't imagine Hall coming back. Um, uh Eric Gustafson, as much as I think that he'd actually be worth a look to bring back, I can't see them doing that unless Mark Giordano retires and they can guarantee him a spot on the second pairing or something like that. And then who does that leave? I think Zach Aston, Reese, and Wayne Simmons. I just, I, I think that Achari and Shen are probably most likely to be the ones returning, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if it ends there. I, I think that there's going to be more guys out than in this year in terms of the UFAs they have, but. I think they're gonna br- they're gonna look to bring back the guys that they brought in at the deadline last year if they can for for relatively cheap prices. Peter, who do you got coming back? Who do you got going? Um, what kind of what kind of Maple Leafs team are we looking at starting 2023-24? Yeah, I, I don't want to just say I agree with Alex, but I do think that Luke Shen should be a priority. And you saw how well Morgan Riley and Shen played with each other. As a pairing in the playoffs, they feed, they fed off each other very well. Morgan Riley jumping into the play, he knows that Luke Shen is there to you know ease things on the on, to defend against the rush, block uh, entries, and deny uh, players from coming in, uh, break up plays, lay the body. This is a guy that can do it all. That's kind of like a reliable defender that Riley can rely on. Ever since you know Jake McCabe came in and him and Brody started to have that chemistry. Um, I think that he is definitely a priority. I, I again, no try for all the same reasons because I don't want him to go another te- to another team and be a thorn in the Maple Leaf side, just like he was for the Bruins and even Panthers for that matter. Where you know he's been against it or is playing against the Maple Leafs. I hated him playing against the Maple Leafs, but also I really respected him as a player. And the fact that he was already on the Maple Leafs shows that he has that grit and physicality of something that they were lacking. So if they lose that, that's going to be another hole to fill. Same thing with Luke Shen. You're going to lose that physicality that you literally brought in for the playoffs. These are two guys that you could get under contract for cheap. And I think they fill out the depth part or certain areas on the roster very well. 
As for the forwards, yeah, it's. I wonder if Michael Bunting does come back, but uh, not necessarily for the amount where maybe if he is pressing himself out of a of a deal for the Maple Leafs after his play declined in the second season. Uh, if he's asking for anything more than three million, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, you're 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 free to test the market because I'm not willing to offer that much considering the antics and everything like that. But if it's anything three million less for maybe two, three more years, I'll consider it. But then again, yeah, what happened with the antics and the officiating and how he was always complaining about the non-calls, that's definitely going to be an issue for the Maple Leafs, how well he was drawing penalties one season before. And then this season, the differential, I think, was like, what, plus one, plus two in the regular season. And then, you know, not still not getting calls or he's got a few calls in the playoffs, but very minimal. Um, We'll see what happens there, but I wonder if maybe they look to the trade route to try and fill some of these holes with, you know, maybe another top six forward, maybe a depth piece as well, because as much as I still want to see Nick Robertson into the top six, that's not probably going to happen if he's still going to be very injured and everything. And that's a bit of a concern right now because he's had a hard time to stay healthy, despite how good of a player he really is. So even with one of your prospects that you hope to take a big step, that may not happen. Um, But aside from Shen, Achari, and maybe Bunting as my top three to stay, those are the only ones that I'm actually considering. And uh, Alex Alex did bring up a good point about Giordano and Gustafson. I think that maybe you could probably play Gustafson a little bit more. And I feel bad that he got slighted quite a bit, considering how crowded they were on the left-hand side. Like, they literally traded Sandine left shot defenseman for another left shot defenseman when they were already crowded. And despite him being not the best defensively, I thought he made a lot of strong defensive plays in the postseason that he did in the regular season. So I wonder if maybe you put him on as a third pairing and see how that plays out. And then you have Giordano as a seventh to try and, you know, alleviate some of the ice time that he played. Cause it looked like his age was showing, um, have him come in every now and then as a seventh defender, move into the lineup. Um, that was just something at the back of my mind. I, I, I would probably consider Gustafson in that category as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add. I think you guys hit it. I think, uh, you know, Shen and Achari have to be two priorities once you get past the the Matthews deal. Um, I think, uh, obviously, you know, you've got Achari and Shen who both were top, I correct me if I'm wrong, but top five in hits this season in the regular season. Um, so, I mean, you want to talk about physicality, like these are two guys that you have to have in your lineup. You have to, you have to bring back guys that want to be here. I mentioned it in a piece about, uh, how the Leafs new GM has to have that Craig Conroy, uh, type of thought process in having guys that want to be with the team. You don't want to bring in guys just who want to come and get money. You have to have the, you know, people that want to play for the Maple Leafs that want to wear that crest on their chest. So, Achari has made it known that he wants to resign in Toronto. I think I think it's pretty well known that Shen would love to come back to Toronto and and maybe possibly finish his career as a Maple Leaf. Um, that's something that you know they have to consider as well. Uh, Zach Aston Reese, he's gone. David Camp, I, I I think he's gone as well. Um, Kerfoot's gone probably to Pittsburgh. O'Reilly, I think I I do think O'Reilly goes because I think he's going to get a little bit more than what the Leafs are willing to offer him. Simmons is is certainly gone, and thank you for your service. Um, Justin Hall, 
you know, probably to Pittsburgh as well. Gustafson, I mean, obviously you guys mentioned it. It'd be nice to bring him back. I don't think he does come back. They do have Victor Mete, who's an RFA, so they could possibly do something there as well. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of question marks. I think in this lineup, I think we're going to see a very different lineup uh, come next season. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know, boys. I, I think uh, I think if Bunton comes back, it's going to be in a lesser role and for very very minimal money. Um, just based off of his performance in this season and, and, and the BS that he kind of put the least through in the playoffs. So Luke Shen was first overall in hits 318. Achari was 10th, 244. Yeah. So I, I'm also wondering too, if they also look to the free agent market to try and maybe fill up that, that bottom six as well. Um, no, I'm not sure if there was any connection between Toronto and St. Louis with Ivan Barbashev, but man, is he looking good in the playoffs right now, being a very physical force. Um, obviously, I think he is playing in a top six role. I think he could be another middle six option on a second or third pairing, third pairing um, line. So if the Maple Leafs are looking for some experience and he's having a hell of a postseason, I think maybe you try to look at him because uh, he's currently making. 2.25 so there's a possibility he may ask for an extension uh we'll see what happens but he's definitely a player that they could use in the lineup and we all know how vegas uh has no loyalty to their players so definitely could see him moving on at yes. some point yeah um before we jump into the draft and the combine which peter and i will both be at on saturday so stay tuned for for a lot of pieces coming out on saturday um there's a lot of speculation right now and, and Around Carter Hart, obviously the Philadelphia Flyers are looking to move him. Um, there's a lot of talk about where he could be going, what the destination is. There's also some, uh, I'm not going to even call it speculation, but I guess hopefuls that the Leafs would go out and get Connor Hellebuck. Um, we talked, you know, Alex, you touched on the goaltending a little bit and saying that, you know, you got Joseph Wall. You don't want to send him back down to the minors. You have Ilya Samsonov. Um you're going you're gonna to move on from Murray at some point, whether it's a buyout or, or something. You're going to do something with that contract. Do you see the Leafs going after Hart or Hellebuck at any point? No. I don't see a point. It. Honestly, I, you know, in this day and age, it, it seems like the last thing the Leafs need right now is to lock a goalie into a long-term high-pay contract. And not that's no disrespect to Hart and Hellebuck because they're both – unbelievable goalies and they've shown I won't say unbelievable maybe for Hellebuck but they're both good goalies and you know they're both goalies that I think could thrive in a market that's consistently competing at the top like the Leafs that said I just don't see a situation where you know they they bring in one of these guys and sign them to a long-term deal maybe that is something that happens under Bradshaw living but I think that more and more in recent years, you're starting to see goaltenders, you know, kind of recycled in and out and signed to shorter term, shorter value deals. And, uh, you know, Samsonov, I think, played really well during the regular season. I think even in the playoffs, his numbers weren't there, but he kept them in games that they should not have been in. And he made mm -hmm. saves at the right times for the most part. So... Uh, we'll have to we'll have to see, but I think that they brought in Samsonov for a reason last year. And again, it's kind of weird to say this, but a lot of the guys that were brought in last year may not have the same plan laid out for them as like as as Dubas would have had laid out for them because this is a new GM they're dealing with. So 
Um, it's hard to say whether these guys will come back or whether I think these guys will come back and, you know, how they're going to approach things like this. But I do think they're going to try and make something out of Samsonov and Wall next year. I don't know if... I, I think that there's just bigger there's bigger places for them to put their money than signing a, a, or trading for a goalie and signing him long-term. You know, you got to worry about getting Matthews and Nylander back. So uh, we'll have to see. Peter, any any thoughts on Hellebuck and Hart? Uh, any chance to lose go out and make that move? Hart, no. Um, I, I mean, he could bounce back, but given what I've seen with the Flyers, I – they have been a poor team. I think if you put him on, you know, a better structured team defensively, maybe Hart bounces back. But uh, I, I, I do think that it may be a bit of a downgrade considering Samsonov did have better numbers. Walt looked really good coming in down the stretch and even into the postseason. So I think that is going to be your tandem next season. But I can't help but just think about Hellebuck because if you are looking to go for him, you're moving a core piece in Marner or Nylander. That that's just a given. Uh, it would be a massive blockbuster deal, and I agree with Alex. There is going to be some risk in that because you do got to sign Matthews. He's already at six point one million for his contract. I think he's definitely going to look up uh, for more than that um, when he's a UFA. Considering the heavy workload he has faced, he has a Vesna Trophy under his belt. Um, but given how Treliving made a not necessarily controversial, but a very gutsy move in getting signing Jacob Markstrom that one year in free agency, he didn't have the best numbers before, but now he's you know a Vesna Vesna contender and possibly top goaltender on the Flames since he brought him in, and obviously down year for him, down year for a lot of Calgary Flames players. But I wonder if maybe if there is someone to try and take that risk on a star goaltender, it probably would be him considering he had, he did find a good piece in Markstrom sending him to that contract. Um, is it, is it likely to happen? Do I think it is? No, but I just can't help to have that in the back of my head, considering that the kind of move that he already made in the past signing him. And I believe his contract was, uh, I want to get the full details here. So six years, 36 million. So back in 2021, same value as uh Halibut right now, but you could expect Halibut to make a little bit more than that afterwards. So still think that Samsonov and wall would be the better option. Cause you do have depth for both players and balance instead of just relying on one player heavily instead of the other. But then again, Halibut can be a goalie that you could bring in out goalie, a team that the Maple Leafs have been out goalie, plenty of times in the postseason and maybe in a better structure, he could thrive with the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it, it'd be nice if they could get a guy like Hellebuck. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen and I certainly would not put my money on it. Uh, and that includes on our next sponsor, DraftKings light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas City. 
21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance uh, issuance. Sorry, uh, Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. T- terms at sportsbook.com. Uh, sorry, .draftkings.com slash hockey terms. And make sure you use the code THPN. Uh, boys, last thing we need to hit before we close out this episode. It went a little longer than we had hoped. But uh, the draft, the combine, they're coming up. If you could pick one target for the Leafs going into the draft, Peter, who would it be? Ooh, coming to me, and I have a long list of targets. Um, we don't wow. want to spoil. We don't want to spoil your piece. We don't want to. Spoil yeah. Your piece. yeah. Um. I okay. You know what? I'm not going to say one name from the piece that's coming up, but I'm going to go to one that I did back in January when they did have their original first round pick. Um, I'm going to try and pull that up here. It's going to take a while. You could go to Alex and then come back to me if I... Yeah, I got I got my pick lined up. I don't have All a... Right, Alex, let's go. Yeah, yeah, go, go, go to Alex first. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got my eyes set on Oliver Bonk, London Night Boy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't really have much of an elaboration on that. I just know son of former NHLer Radic Bonk, who uh, obviously played against the Leafs for much of his career. Um, right, right shot defenseman. He's got decent size. Uh, I think they need some some proper defensive prospects now that you know. Obviously, Sandine's not with the team anymore, and Lilligren's graduated, and Timmins has graduated. Um, all they really have in the minors behind him are Topi Nimla and Philip Kral, I guess. So. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him bolster the back end uh, of the uh, defensive pool. Yeah, I was actually going to say Oliver Bonk as well. I just think he's a big body. He's, uh, he's a guy that uh, plays all, all sides, and he's coming from an organization which I've, I've thrived off off of, you know, um, saying how, how well they develop their players. I think, you know, London uh, to be in that organization, and obviously he was a piece they didn't want to trade for Shane Wright at the deadline this season. So it goes to show you how much they value him in the organization as well. Um, I think that's, uh, that's something you got to consider if you're the Leafs and, and he fits into the year prospect pool exactly where you need that. So uh, I agree with you, Alex. I think Oliver Bonk's definitely a target that the Leafs have to have going into the draft. Peter, what do you got? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I Peter's I'm, preparing his list of forty prospects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I totally love the Oliver Bond pick. I really do. Huge fan of his, and the fact that he was able to jump from the Go JHL to the OHL and had the kind of season that he did is impressive. Um, I'm going to say two, but they're going to be very quick. I'm going to say another defenseman, Tom Verlander. He may go higher, but I'm still very high on him. I really liked his mobility and transitional game at the U18s. I thought he was one of the, I think their second best defender behind Axel Sandin Pelica. Theo Lindstein was of close third as well. I think maybe he's a possibility, but also Gavin Brindley um, from the university of Michigan, obviously Adam Fantilli stole the show on that team, but 38 points in 41 games. He is 5'9". And, you know, looking at back at the Calgary Flames draft history, they did take Matt Coronado, who is 5'10". A little bit bulkier because he has the weight. Um, Brindley's only 153, 157. But, man, is he very dynamic with his work ethic. I absolutely love that. And maybe these are still kind of like Kyle Dubas picks. 
but these are players that I would probably target with the 28th overall pick. Well, there you have it. And as I mentioned, Peter, and I will be at the NHL combine in Buffalo with the hockey writers, Mark Scheig on uh, Saturday. So stay tuned for a lot of pieces coming out of there. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Peter and I will jump on a live real quick and just throw some, throw some content out there. We'll see. We'll see how the day goes. Yeah, why um, not? But uh, aside from that, make sure you follow us all on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes over at Alex uh, A Hobson Media and Peter P Barracchini. You can see all of our socials down on the bottom: Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. We've also jumped on Twitch. We are streaming live on Twitch as well. Uh, so make sure you hit us up on Twitch. We also have our um, our TikTok as well. So j- jump on there and uh, hit us up on TikTok. Otherwise, boys, anything else you wanted to close out with before we uh, shut down the show for the week? Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, have fun at the draft combine this weekend, boys. Um, you know, I, I've been I know I've been talking about uh, you know the amount of content I've been pumping out at my my new gig at the Leafs Nation, but uh, I definitely miss being around you guys at the Hockey Writers, and uh, I'm glad that I'm glad we still have this show going, so I can keep in keep in contact with you guys and still you know talk Leafs and banter every every week. So uh, uh, yeah, uh, for me, I'm going to be doing a mock draft series for the Leafs Nation. Uh, it's going to be a four part first round mock draft. So I'm going to have, that's not, that's probably going to wait until after the Stanley cup finals are over. Um, but it's going to be, uh, uh it, the one article is going to be picks one to eight, nine to 16, 17 to 23, and then 24 to 32. So we'll obviously cover the least pick within that. And, uh, I'm going to start pumping out more draft content there. So, uh, keep an eye on my stuff over at the Leafs nation. Beautiful, beautiful Peter. Anything you want to throw out there, buddy? Yeah, no, I already got a couple of, uh, pieces in the works for the combine that was i told you uh previously before i'm not going to mention it on here because we are live but you know what i'm working on right now with one of the pieces i got a head start on that so fingers crossed on when that's going to be out um couple of leaf uh posts as well uh from the combine i did top five uh five other picks with comments from prospects that i think are going to be ideal candidates so i may be i'm going to be doing the same thing this time around as well Well, there you have it, folks. And as I mentioned, tune in Saturday. Big shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for having us uh, live, as well as our big sponsors, Indie Alehouse and DraftKings. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Sticks in the Six, episode 127. And uh, as always, we will be back next week for more about our Maple Leafs.